chaos, calamities, and an absolute crushing. What a weekend of Premier League football it was. Today, we discussed the fallout. What have we learned from this Premier League weekend results? Let's get it. Hello and welcome to the Lost in Possession podcast. If you are here for the first time, do us a quick favour, hit that subscribe button. Do yourself a favour as well. We come at you live twice a week with football and FPL content. It's absolutely free, of course, so do us a favour and hit that button. Let's get on straight into the episode. As I said, what a crazy weekend of Premier League results it was. We've had various derbies. We've had absolute calamities. We've had refereeing shockers. We've had it all. Um, Let's start at the bottom of the table. So as it stands in the Premier League table, if I'm not mistaken, the three promoted sides are currently the bottom three sides. Now, we got to talk about the 8-0, actually. Let's kick off with that. Newcastle 8, Sheffield United 0. What on earth has happened here? Teams do get battered. <laughs> like The new promoted teams do get battered. It's normally away from home, though which I think is more the concerning side. But it does happen. Like To be honest, from what I think everyone, you, you get the gist of it is everyone's now going, are the three promoted sides going to be the three promote, uh, three to go relegated? Because they've all come up and just not performed. And Sheffield United, I think, Reese, you've been saying it, you think they've they were quite... They were poor last season, but everyone else was just worse. It wasn't that they were good. It was more that the rest of them were bad. Um, and they were probably weren't expected to come up. And to be honest, Sheffield United haven't really strengthened. They've got money issues. That's added to it. And then teams towards the top of the table, like Newcastle, are improving year on year. So that just brings a big gulf in it. And But an 8-0 is shocking. Don't get it. Don't get it right. Like Sheffield United fans should be livid with that, and they'd they'd be more more justified to be wanting the sacking of their manager. There's no, there's no like, there's no defence you can have when you're getting battered eight nil at home. Yeah, you can't can't justify that. You know, you'd probably find that whoever they played that weekend. You know, they, they probably would have had the same sort of scoreline. Just every shot seemed to just go in. So, yeah, it's not good. You know, it's no criticism on him, but Paul Heckingbottom is not a Premier League manager. You know, in reality, he was lucky to get the Sheffield United job in the first place after having absolutely abysmal turnouts at Leeds and Hibs. He's, they seem to have bitten off more than they can chew. If you are Sheffield United fans, they weren't exactly excited to be in the Premier League because I think they knew that they didn't have much to sort of play with and and yeah it's it's not a good performance it's not it's definitely not a good result because those eight goals means they've got to somehow claw back eight goals um pretty soon they don't want to let it go down to goal difference so they've got to they've got to bounce back and they've got to bounce back now um as we've seen they don't play that bad you know they they can play some good football they can they can give any team a, a run for their money but they're not you know, it's just not 
working out for them. You know, that look at what happened at Spurs. They threw two goals away in stoppage time. So you can't afford to be looking back and going, you know, these are the points we should have gained. And you would have thought they'd have looked at Newcastle and fancied their chances. So, yeah, it's a big, big game for them against West Ham next. But I think Sheffield United fans would be very concerned, very, very concerned about where their season's heading already. Yeah, I think at home as well, you've got to you've got to put up a bit of fight at home, particularly for these you know so-called smaller teams, promoted teams. You've got to try and make your home ground a fortress, and getting beat eight nil is 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 pretty much as far as you can go to to, to completely eradicate any of that. Um, and for them, it doesn't get any easier. They've got West Ham away next fixture, so bouncing back is is tough. And I think the discrepancy in in being three minutes away from beating Spurs. Spurs who are in the best form of their lives, literally probably for a decade. And then you go and get beat 8-0. It's, it's, it's crazy swings in, in form and not form, but performance. So I think, I think yeah, I think they were in serious trouble. But I do think they'll sack the manager and then, you know, maybe the old school new manager bounce will kick in. I don't know. Um, just quickly, we'll touch on it because we're at the bottom of the table. Luton and Burnley. Any, any, I, I mean, I, I, I think when I'm recording on a podcast and, I actually fancy Burnley to do all right, you know, getting seven nil wins and and basically dominating the opposition in Championship. How are they in this position? Quite simply, they don't score. Like when you look at, because I watched I watched most of the game against United. Possession wise, they're perfectly fine. You watched United when they pressed them, they passed their way out of it. Something that you would see see the likes of Arsenal, City doing. Spurs this season as well. Like you've seen them pass it out and they've got that quality, but once they get further up the pitch, they just had no plan. It was get the ball out to the winger and hope a cross goes to our goes to their player. That was kind of all I saw. Um I think their main striker was sent off. Um I can't remember his name. Um so that didn't help with the United game. But there doesn't seem to be a plan B then. And I think companies got to try and figure something out. I think that it will show the golfing quality, I think, when Burnley plays Luton. <laughs> that's at, at Luton and that's coming up next next week, I believe. So it's a big, it's a huge game, especially for Luton as well. But Burnley, that's sort of what's letting them down. Luton, on the other hand, that that is your biggest opportunity you can get to go and win a game at home versus what's a very out of form Wolves side who have been pretty much poor they were good against United but otherwise they've been they've been poor really so then you're at home 10 men for too too long (laughs) too long not to win that game and then they only drew through an awful penalty decision where the handball rule, I don't understand it. I I think managers are even coming out saying they don't understand it. It shouldn't be so difficult to make decisions like this. Um, but Luton, very lucky to even get a draw, it looks like. Ten men against at home to Wolves. You touched on it there. Let, let's just, before we move up the table, we said, you know, what we what have we learned from this weekend of Premier League fixtures? And, and we've got to talk about referees. Um. We've both got a couple of gripes with referees this weekend, but I think what we learn from this Premier League weekend is that the referees and, and officiating is still an all-time low. 
Um, and it's complete and utter dog shit to, to put to, for want of a better term. Um, I'll start with Chelsea. Yes, we all know we're absolutely awful. But to clarify, this is a referee who who blew up for half time sixty seconds. Sorry, seventy seconds early. And no one's talking about it, by the way, because it wasn't on TV. A Premier League official. I don't know if this has ever happened actually in, in Premier League. I, I don't remember ever witnessing something like this. There's three minutes of added time, and he's blown up seventy seconds early. Like what, I, what, I can't say I recall it? anything. Like I remember seeing like ten seconds, but yeah, yeah, a couple of seconds maybe at the end of the game. Seventy seconds. It's never. I honestly don't think it's ever happened. We saw that absolute scandal in the World Cup, um, and it turned out like the referee was was suffering from heat stroke. But this is this is a Premier League official who was blown up for the game 70 seconds early because he's just absolutely lost his head and lost control of the game. I mean, again, as I said, I'm fuming, obviously I'm biased, but no one's speaking about this. Like, it's completely and utterly ridiculous. And if you watch a game, go back and watch the highlights, obviously, again, I'm biased, but the gusto read, I think, was harsh and many people, non-Chelsea, have agreed. What is going on? Like, I just do not understand how this referee, and, and we'll touch on other refs this weekend, you touched on the Luton one. Everyone knows that's not a penalty. It's physically impossible for him to move his hand out of the way. And that same handball that's given there won't be given. You know, Reese, you touched it in the North London derby, but the Spurs handball, I'm pretty sure that was one against you not in the United Spurs game that happened, wasn't given. There's no consistency. The referees are an absolute shambles. And I don't see how we're going to fix it. And Jamie, you can touch on on Rodri for a, for a second as well, because that's another example. You know, well, yeah, the, yeah. The one I was arguing with the Rodri one is not Rodri being sent off. It's a sending off. It's stupid from him. Like, like let's not get that. Don't think I'm just being biased for what it is. But what I was saying in our chat was what Gibbs White did was effectively diving or if you want to put better time, simulation to get him sent off. And that's something in the game that needs to be stopped. But I think it's not the worst decision of the weekend <laughs> because you've got these handballs that are... That I, I think with the handball one, is it's a it's a more clear-cut sort of... easier way to stop it. Change the rule to be better. They've been playing around with this handball rule now for, I think, four seasons. Where at one point any handball that related to a goal stopped the goal, it's been sort of then it's not then it's yeah it's all subjective and it's just they need to make it clear as possible and they're not they've overcomplicated handballs pundits managers us <laughs> as fans don't know the handball rule because I was looking at the Romero one for Arsenal thinking I don't know what the ref's going to give. Sort of, in my opinion, I do actually think it was a penalty. But I also thought the one that you against Spurs was a penalty. So then in my mind, I was like, well, they're not going to give that since they didn't give the one then just to be consistent, but they weren't. Mm. So that's the problem we have. No one knows what the rule is. Refs and VAR don't either. Clearly, they're giving different different opinions. Yeah. And Reese again, coming to the North London derby, the one that I and obviously all the Chelsea fans on Twitter were comparing uh, the Gusto tackle to was Nketiah. 
where he comes absolutely... I mean, Gusto basically won the ball and sort of followed through as Dinho come in. And Ketia just went absolutely flying. Like the old Sol Campbell slide tackle just didn't didn't seem to stop, which obviously wasn't given as a red. I appreciate, yes, you're an Arsenal fan, so a little bit biased, but what did you make of that and, and some of the other decisions in that game? Yeah, I think I think Nketiah was lucky. Um, yeah, I think Romero probably should have got his second red, uh, second yellow as well. So you could argue that, um, you know, if he doesn't give that, he probably won't give that. But in reality, I don't really care about the whole referee thing. I think no matter what they do, they'll never be able to win. Um, I've said this before, I'll say it time and time again. Yes, if referees make consistent mistakes, they should be criticised. We're, we're allowed to criticise managers. We're allowed to criticise players if they make constant mistakes. So yes, it's fair. And I'm sure referees would agree with that too. My other thoughts are the problems are is we always want more, 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 more. So the rules are getting more and more complicated because I think managers keep doing it, players keep doing it. So now it's all got complicated. We're really, we should just go back to basics. The referees association, we should just go, you know what, stuff it. We'll go back to basics. We'll decide if it's handball or not. Thirdly, if it's, you know, at the end of the day, consistency is very difficult because it's hu we're human beings. I believe that was a red card for Chelsea. You don't. You know, it's it's as simple as that. So it's very, very hard to get that judgment. So consistency will be difficult. And then we say about the quality of the referees, well, here's a hint towards the Premier League and all the way down to grassroots. Stop being abusive. So, of course, you're probably going to get a filter. You're probably going to miss out on the best referees because they don't want a referee because they don't want to stand there on a pitch and get shouted at and sometimes physically assorted, which is just as disgusting. So as far as I'm concerned, that needs to stop. And maybe if you have a harmonious thing and just let referees do their thing, you will get better referees, but we don't. You know, I think referees are just fine. They get about 97% decisions right. You've got 90 minutes to put the ball in the back of the net. Just get on with it. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's a disgrace the way they're treated. But I do believe that if they're consistently wrong, then yes, they should be criticised, but not in the way that they are being criticised. I think it's out of all. I think, you know, let's just accept that we're just human beings, for God's sake, and get on with it. It's I running. think it's a fair point, Reese, because like, we've, all, we've all been refs. We've all been in that situation. Like, I've had parents coming up to me when I was, like, 14 doing it. Like, people don't care about your age. Obviously, you're on a bigger stage in the in the Premier League. You've got tons of cameras. But that's where, sort of, like, VAR should be helping out. That's the whole point of it. But that's probably another massive debate. But, like you say, with the respect to referees... Look at rugby, for example. There's such a there is a respect to their referees. Mm. Um, they get punished if they argue. You know, I think exactly, they have to yeah. the back, right? So you should start implementing more punishments like that. Then today, the ref if the referee falls the follows the rules, they get criticised. If they give leniency, they get criticised for not following the rules. They honestly can't win. Well, that's a, that's true. They can they they can't win because one team's always going to disagree. But again, another example from the Chelsea Villa game yesterday. I witnessed it live. Literally Martinez in goal was time time wasting from pretty much probably third, maybe the fifth minute. And this season, I actually think one of the refreshing things we've seen from refs is booking them early for this time wasting, this whatever you want to call it, you know, misbehaviour or, or unsporting behaviour. And although, you know, we saw the Tommy Asu red earlier in the season was criticised. I actually don't mind that kind of stuff because if eventually you're trying to correct the behaviour, you're trying to ramp, uh, clamp down on it. But then yesterday, again, the referee had an absolute shambles. 
but didn't book Martinez. He probably had five or six real chances where he was time-wasting. You know, you get the pressure from the crowd and all of that. And he didn't book him. And as a result, Martinez time-waste, time-waste, basically through the whole game. And he booked him in the 86th minute when the game was done. So I think that's a good example of where there's no, there is no consistency. And I think if there was, referees would get a bit more respect. I agree with the minute set. Oh, they won't get respect. If he sends him off, everyone will moan about it. You know, it's, if he, I agree adding the minutes on for time wasting, because technically time wasting isn't really against the rules. So absolutely add it on. If anything, him blowing early for you, Joel, probably helps you out your misery a little bit more. (laughs) In all, in all reality, right. I'd understand, like, subconsciously, if they're getting abuse all game, I'd think you referees, you know what? Screw them. Yeah, why not? Why not wind them up? I think, I think, you know, that's completely human behaviour. But at the end of the day, like, yes, Martinez was time-wasting. And I do think it'd be great to see more red cards for that because I'd love to see managers yeah. knowing that they've got no choice but to sub one of their players off and bring on a goalkeeper. You know, I do love that. But the reason we have all this time wasting, all the dirty tactics in is because they introduced it all in the first place. You know, so it's only what's going to happen is they'll start sending them off and then Pep, Arteta, oh, well, I don't think that's very fair. And they'll go, OK, fine, you know, we'll, we'll stop doing that. It'll only depend on who it who it favours and who it doesn't at the end of the day. I think it should be tolerised a little bit more, but I also think it's very difficult to implement because otherwise you're going to have no players on the pitch at the end of the day. Just keep adding on the time as far as I'm concerned. Well, you even, to be fair, with the City game, you ha- we had our kit man go behind the goal to remind Edison he's on a booking for a different reason. We're 2-0 up with 10 men, not to time waste, because you might get sent off and we might be down to nine men. So, in a way, it does work in terms of, I know it's on a booking, so it's a bit different, but it's, it is a way of stopping the time wasting because it's something I think... I know, like you, I get what you're saying, Reese. It's a part of like I know you have like the dark arts of football. It's a part of that. Teams are going to try and time waste a bit just to, you know, they go away to City, go away to Arsenal. Sometimes their objective is if we get a point here, that's a great result. So why not time waste a bit? So I get why people get teams do it, and I've seen it when we weren't as good. Went to the Emirates, and we time waste from minute one. It's, like, it's- it's pure tactics, isn't it? You know, Pep then can't moan it's been done to him. Just add the minutes on. And and I think at the end of the day, yeah, 90 minutes have to be played. Play the 90 minutes, even if you've wasted 30 minutes of them. That will stop teams doing it, probably, yeah. because they're going to get more and more tired. They're already moaning that they're being tired. It's like, but you've done this in the first place. So just yeah. shut up and get on with it. So I think you know, they are trying to stop it. And the, the two rules they kind of brought in, I think, are effectively working that. The problem I have, though, is they normally bring in a rule, implement it for the first five game weeks, and then ignore it. So I I can't remember really any time-waste bookings, like quick ones, this weekend. I don't remember any. So it's like it's already so- slightly stopping. And then the, the first game of the season, well, if you think about the, the uh, Community Shield, that had plus 10 minutes of added time. There wasn't ten. I don't know where ten minutes is added time if you compare to other games that have been played in the Premier League. I know it's a slightly a bit different, but it's still the same rule. So I think they're also bringing that down as well. So it's, I think they need to try and be consistent with that, try and keep the rule going for at least the whole season. Yes, yeah, so I don't want it just five games and then stop. 
yeah, stick to their guns. Like I said, if they're calling yeah. cutting it down already, it's because everyone's moaned about it. But they're the ones that's caused it to be put into place. Yeah. So just stick to your guns and say, if you don't like the ten minutes, you know, you've got the big, you've got bigger squads than ever. Just rotate. You know, you already wanted five subs. You got your five subs, and it's still not enough. You know what? You want two goalkeepers now. Yeah. I'm still baffled that Edison didn't know he was on a yellow. I'm sure he knows how much. Oh, he's I reckon. I reckon he did, but the kit man was just not taking any. Like Pep's gone. Just tell him. Just, just tell him. Like I don't want to risk it where he's forgotten. So just tell him because. Well, I was moaning about it last season. I watched. I've watched teams come here in time waste, and Edison gets booked after ten seconds, where I've, I've seen minutes been taken. I think off. early on is pretty hard. I would. I will say, I think this is probably a good thing for backup goalkeepers because now they might actually have a chance to actually play because the chance... Well, are, are, Arsenal in good place. Ramsdale now is the yeah, backup. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, what, what's funny and ironic about the whole thing is they're now adding the minutes for time-wasting. So you're going to time-waste, get booked, and then still not get any added time. Like, you're, there's no benefit. That's, That's the whole point. It's, now, it's meant to kick it out. It's meant to kick yeah, it out, yeah. isn't it? That's what I think's meant to be happening. And it's doing it at the moment i think it's not fully complete but it's doing its job at the moment in a time frame like when how long a goalkeeper's allowed to hold a ball for it used to be 6.6 yeah. 6 seconds and now that's stopped they seem to just hold it for oh. as long as they want obviously bouncing it means it stops right but but i think they should implement that a little bit more you know it's you know just kick it if your players can't get themselves into a situation you know just just kick the bloody ball you know if, that, if that's how you want to stop it yeah and there's, there's not much logic to it anyway <laughs> I mean, we should move on, but like, you know, Edison, you're two new up at home. Why are you time wasting? Martin, ten men. It was ten men. Yeah. That's why. Forest aren't going to score two, are they? You know, you got you got Martin. You one, they could get yeah. And then Forest won't be able to build up momentum, will they? Yeah, I suppose. Always constantly, you know, stopping. So, but even yesterday, you got Martin's time wasting nil nil at Stamford Bridge. Like, you fa- you'd fancy beating us, you know what I mean? But um, anyway. No, Let's move on from refs and officiating. Let's talk the North London derby. Two-all thriller. You've seen a bit of banter. You've seen a bit of controversy. Saka giving it to Madison. Madison giving it back, which, to be honest, I absolutely love to see. Um, They're obviously mates at England, just having a laugh. Um, And in terms of the league, it puts Arsenal and and Spurs basically level, uh, fourth and fifth. What did you guys make of this? Can these teams challenge for the title? I guess is the the, the big picture. Uh, I've already made this clear. Arsenal have no chance of challenging for this title. Yesterday was a prime example of that. I mean, come on, conceding a goal a minute after scoring, pathetic. Another mistake from another player, pathetic. Overcomplicating. Okay, I know he won an FA Cup, but he, you know, he's supposed to be wanting to win trophies. He's overcomplicating tactics already. He's not in that position to be doing that. Then the day, a fair result. Two evenly matched teams, two teams with very different styles of play, two teams that are doing very well. Simple as that. You know. As soon as as soon as the pundit said that Spurs had no chance, you knew exactly where it was going to go, didn't you? So it was quite funny seeing other YouTubers, TikTokers going, oh, if Arsenal and Spurs go head to head, there's only one winner, kind of kind of sort of scenario, and then it's a it's like predictions of like four nil and things like that. It's a it's a derby. Them games are more unpredictable, especially when you're both in good form. Um, I thought it was a terrific game, sort of as a bit of a neutral. I'll be honest, I wanted Spurs to win. 
I think Arsenal are going to be more of a title challenge than Spurs. Um, I think Spurs have done great so far, but I still think Arsenal have the showing that they can hit 80, 80 plus points, which is going to put you in the title race, no matter what team you are. Uh, Spurs just need to keep going, really. At the moment, it's too early to say if they actually can challenge for the title. But you've played Arsenal away, United at home, 1-1, one, one, drawn one, you think, take I that. I think the Spurs is their high-risk strategy. You know, they've got to stop the ball going in the in, in their own net, I think, at this moment in time. Look, they would have taken the draw yesterday, you know, but that's two goals, you know, conceded against Sheffield United, conceded two against Brentford. Yes, they're, you know, they're not, they're not easy games, but they need to, eventually your luck runs out, right? You can't win every game 3-2. So... That's it. They've got one one clean sheet so far. United. So, oh no, two. Sorry, then they're yeah the Bournemouth, yeah, Bournemouth game Bournemouth as well. Too. Just need but to get so... that balance right, but it's looking good. I think if Spurs have a couple of injuries, I do worry for them there. Like, who realistically is going to take? You know, is Madison become too important for them already? Um, you know, but I always said they'd be fine without Kane. I think Son. He always seems to spring to life when Kane's not playing, and he's done that. You know, they're, they're a different animal at this moment in time. But the important thing is, is if it goes a bit rocky, just stay patient. And if my concern is, well, if another club comes in for Ange, he will go. You know, he was very quick to just leave Celtic. You know, again, it's a better opportunity, but just need to bear all that in mind. But they're absolutely fine. They're flying at the moment. I yeah, don't I think, think there's going to be many opportunities, though, for Ange to go. So on that. But I wanted to talk about Spurs and Basuma. He's looked brilliant for them. I think he was probably the best midfielder at, on the pitch in that sort of midfield battle against Arsenal. Even in the first half before Rice came off, I thought Basuma was the best one out of them. And it was just amazing how he was completely like exiled last season under Conte. He's come back and he's looked brilliant. He's got to keep it up. I think everyone last season thought, oh, that's a good sign and he can, he'll do well for Spurs. And it just wasn't, wasn't given the chance. So he's showing that now. So I think if he can keep it up, but I do agree, Reese. Sort of injuries could really hamper that Spurs team, but they might not get. They might not get any. It happens. Some teams get a lot. Some teams get none. Yeah, I agree. Madison at the minute looks undroppable, um, and more importantly, if they do, as you said, if, if Madison goes out, I think that's probably their biggest biggest concern just because they'd lose all that midfield creativity um, and I think that is exactly what Spurs have been lacking in the last few years they've had CDMs they've had sort of you know pure centre mids but no real CAM willing to willing to drive the ball and, and actually create chances um, I think for Spurs yeah I, I don't think kind of brings me on to our next and, and final question can anyone stop Man City for me, I don't. I think Spurs have been really impressive, but as you said, can they mount a, a genuine title challenge? I don't think they'll be this good all season. Um, as you both said, if they do pick up a couple of knocks, um, in terms of the other contenders, and obviously, you know, everyone probably knows already, City, despite doubts and despite maybe not the best window, six out of six plus thirteen goal difference. They're looking un unbreakable, in my opinion. Let, let's talk contenders. You've got the last few minutes. Let, let's go through 
as I said, we've got Spurs and Arsenal in fourth and fifth. Reese, you've made your feelings clear. You don't think Arsenal can mount the challenge. Jamie, do you think they can? I know you said you're a bit more worried about them than Spurs. Well, at the moment, they're, what, 14 points? Sort of, I don't see any sort of massive issues at Arsenal. If they get some injuries, it may dampen their season, but they've, they've brought in cover as well. So I think they'll be all right and they will challenge. Um, I think Liverpool as well will challenge. I did sort of think that. I, we did sort of our prediction before this transfer window had finished. So at that time, it was disappointing for them, but they seem to have signed the players and they're kicking on well. I think Liverpool have shown in the past they can hit 90-odd points. So they've got the sort of small history of doing better than what Arsenal could do. But I think it's going to be a, I think it'd be quite a tight race. I don't think City are going to go, you know, invincible, hit 100 points, sort of what a few pundits are saying at the moment. It's all... Uh, you've got to think, who we, who we played? We haven't actually played any of the big teams yet. We played Newcastle at home. That was a good 1-0 win. But we're still going in the season. It's going to, We'll see when we play Arsenal away how good we really are. And then we can kick on from there. But it's probably a bit too early to think City are just going to absolutely blow away with it. I still will stay with my prediction of thinking City are going to win it, but it's not going. To, it's not a foregone conclusion that some people are saying it already is. I think City's biggest thing is knowing City they'll probably lose at home to say Brentford like they did last year, you know. But then they'll go and beat Liverpool. That's where I only see them losing a game at the moment. Just that odd slip up. But they're the, they react better than any other team, I think. I still think Liverpool are your biggest threat. I think I know Nunes is a little bit inconsistent, but he's proven something more than I think what Arsenal have got, and that is a striker. don't think Arsenal strikers are good enough to get them over that line. Well, it it does surprise Liverpool, me that teams are talk, people are talking about that, though. Yeah, but Liverpool's... There's a reason why we sold him. There's a reason why we sold Jesus. Why we played him on the wing. There's always a reason why, okay, why are we getting him then? Okay, there is a reason for that, but that's a different topic. I think Liverpool, I think Arsenal can grind out a result probably better than Liverpool, but I think Liverpool can score more goals. I think that's the difference at this moment in time, and I think that's what will sway in Liverpool's favour, probably. But, yeah, I think it's, again, you've got to wait for the next few games to shape out. Wait, so you're saying, sorry, you're saying Arsenal can grind out a result with Liverpool? I think Arsenal are better at grinding out a result at 1-0, but I think Liverpool can score more goals. So even though Liverpool have been conceding, you'll find that they're winning 3-1. They'll probably win 4-3. I don't see Arsenal being able to win a 4-3. I think they'd get a 1-0 and take it. But I don't think Ars I don't think Arsenal would beat Liverpool at this moment in time. See, I, I slightly disagree just based on what we've seen already. Um, you look at Liverpool and although you know they're you know they're behind City by two points. They're they're second in the table. You look at the performances and you look at the vulnerabilities we've seen, and they're going a goal down in every game almost. Um, I'm trying to think of the last. Obviously, it wasn't West Ham. It was um, against Bournemouth. Um, we saw it in the Europa League. I think there's a few others. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but consistently going a goal down and having to fight and come back. It does show character, don't get me wrong, but it also shows 
to me, it shows a bit of weakness. It shows that you're not starting the game bang on it. You know, it shows... I'm just trying to look at the fixtures here. Sorry, it was Wolves, wasn't it? So, Wolves, they went a goal down. Newcastle, they went a goal down. Bournemouth, they went a goal down. Um, I don't know. I think, given how many games we are... I think, I think Liverpool, at the moment, you can't write Liverpool out. Like, look at them. You know, they come back in all three of those games. I think if Arsenal went one nil down to Newcastle, they wouldn't have come back to that. Arsenal better. Have taken I think I think they've got a brand new midfield, and that's something they're adapting to. So I think there will be there will be less times they'll be going to go down as the season goes on when they're sort of you know they've gelled a bit more. I think. Yeah. But I I do actually agree with Reese with saying I think Arsenal are more likely to get a one nil win than Liverpool, especially at the moment. Yeah. I. I don't see Liverpool staying at a one 0 win. There might be game odd games that you do, but I think it's more likely Arsenal will rather than Liverpool. Yeah, that's fair. Um and I guess okay, so let, let, let's answer the question. Well, we've got one more team we've not discussed in the top five, actually. So let, let's finish with them. We've not touched on Brighton. Obviously, Brighton had a flying start to the league, then lost that game to West Ham, and everyone sort of suddenly didn't put them in the title picture. But they're third, they're above Spurs and Arsenal, same games played, and a better goal difference. Can Brighton against the odds or, or whatever you want to call it mount a title charge? No, no chance. Next question. Goodness I, sake. I, I <laughs> think what actually proves it is the Europa League game. Yeah. The fact that they didn't win at home. They lost, I think, in the end, three three two to A AEK Athens. Yeah. That that kind of proves it to me that there's going to be times in the season, like like the West Ham game, that a team's going, to, a team's just going to beat them. And he had it even last season where Everton came out of nowhere and absolutely battered them at home. Brighton will be a very good team, and I actually expect them to. They'll be pushing the Europa League spots, maybe the Europa Conference League spot. They're a very good side, but a title challenge, I just don't see it. Especially playing two games a week, they're yeah. not they're not used to it. It's too hard to do that and a title charge. Yeah, no, no disrespect to the Greek champions. You know, they're they're there on merit themselves, and they beat Brighton fair and square. But come on, Brighton go and win at the weekends. You know, they'll probably go and beat. They're more than capable of beating Man United away from home, and then they'll go and lose to Luton at home or something like that. It's just what they do. They're very much like that Newcastle entertainers at this moment in time, and it's just it, you just can't sustain that. Well, there you have it. That wraps us up for another episode. As always, let us know your thoughts in the comments. Plenty to agree with and plenty to disagree with there. But as always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill.